Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning, everyone. All right. Yes, good morning. It is a good morning. Uh, Anyone celebrate American Thanksgiving? Yes. Woo. A few. Okay. All right. All right. If you think about it, American Thanksgiving has to be one of the best thought of holidays ever because you get literally, what, like three days plus almost a couple extra. So you almost get a full week off. It's an incredible thing. And so, uh, yeah, for those of you Americans in here or those who just felt like celebrating, uh, happy American Thanksgiving. And uh, for all of you who here are brand new, welcome. It's great to have you uh, at Portico. Um, If you are new, we are in a series called This is Living, Choosing Joy in Life's Everyday Moments. And over the last number of weeks, uh, we've been going uh, over uh, in the Bible, Paul's letter uh, to the church in Philippi and finding out how he and the church had been able to choose joy even in the most difficult situations and most difficult times. They faced uh, this church and Paul faced persecution. They faced, uh, uh, many of them were being thrown into prison. Uh, They dealt with overwhelming stress and and worry. They experienced loss. They had, uh, there was uh, a lot of poverty going on as a result of of their faith. People just didn't want to work with them anymore. So there was poverty that was going on, and yet they found joy in the highs and the lows of life. And from them, over the last number of weeks, we've learned that joy is not determined by our outer circumstances, but by our inner commitment to God. Joy is not determined by our outer circumstances, but our inner commitment to God. Joy is, is choosing to look for God in life's everyday moments. And it's not always automatic. Uh, rather, it's being intentional. It, it's the accumulation of, of hundreds, of, of thousands of decisions to pursue God, uh, to pursue a life that God has called us to. So not only choosing joy in a moment, but choosing joy in, 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 choosing joy in everyday moments, constant moments, learning to sustain joy uh, in everyday moments. And that's what we're going to focus on today is, is on sustaining joy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it would be, uh, let's say I, I started working out. It would, it would be wrong for me to assume that uh, if I started working out, that I could maintain that look once I stopped going to the gym, right? Wrong to assume that. I remember um, I, uh, once Noah was born, um, I was holding him, and uh, a gentleman came up to me, and he says, hey, nice dad bod that you got there, right? And he assumed that that was okay to tell me that, and I assumed that it was okay to think to give him a bop in the nose, right? Um, I didn't do it, but I was thinking it, right? 
Hey, none of us are perfect here. This is not a perfect church, okay? Um, it, it, would be, uh, it would be wrong for me to assume that, that you know, if you really start, uh, study hard for one test and get a great mark, that I cannot study for the next test and get just as good of a, a mark, right? Wrong to assume that. It would be wrong for me to assume that, that I'm always right, right? People, you know that. If you assume that you're always right, chances are you don't have any friends, okay? I may have just solved your problem right there, okay? Um, it would be wrong to assume that someone else will always take responsibility, right? A lot of times we'll just go, hey, not my responsibility, right? And it would be wrong to assume that. It would be wrong to assume that the check engine light will just magically turn off at some point, right? Uh, we, uh, we all know that struggle, right? Um, for those of you who are, are 65 and older and retiring, or retired. It would be wrong to assume that after you work hard for those number of years that you will eventually retire and be able to do nothing, that you can do whatever you want. If you have grandkids, and I I can't speak into this, but I'm told by everyone, if you have grandkids, you know that you are suddenly busier than ever, which makes me go, I don't want to retire. I'm good right now, you know? If I'm going to be busier, I'll just... Right, but we, we make these everyday assumptions, whether right or wrong. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we actually don't make these assumptions when it comes to joy. Joy is something that needs to be sustained. Joy is something that needs to be maintained, constantly being poured into. So the question we need to ask ourselves today is, how do we sustain joy in life's everyday moments? How do we sustain joy in life's everyday moments? In Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, he gives great insight into our question. So open up your Bibles or your Bible apps. If you're taking notes, feel free to put in that question. How do we, how do we sustain joy in life's everyday moments? And open to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 10, starting at verse 10. Philippians 4, verse 10. This is what Paul says. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it would be good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as the Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was out from, uh, out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment 
and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So joy from Paul's letters, one of the things that we we see here when it comes to joy, how to sustain joy, joy is sustained by committed relationships. Joy is sustained by committed relationships. You need to remember that in this moment, Paul is in a Roman prison. In the Roman system, prisoners were dependent on outside support for everything. They needed help with everything. So not only has he been locked up in this cold, dark, damp cell with small provisions to survive, or survive off of, there are people outside the walls of those prisons that, uh, that are looking to kill Paul. They want him dead for what he's been sharing, what he's been telling telling people about Jesus. And so he's got a price on his head right now. And all that is going on, and, and all Paul wants to do is, is continue to share the good news, but he can't because he's locked up in a cell. And all the while, he's wondering about those he's invested so much time in, because now he knows they're in danger as well. So from our letter that we've just read here, you can imagine the excitement and the joy that Paul feels when Epaphroditus shows up, right? Right? knowing that he needs help, he needs assistance in the Roman system, in the, in the Roman prisons. So when this man shows up, he shows up with gifts, he shows up with good news, he shows up with supplies to help Paul. And so Paul in this moment is overjoyed, and he actually says in, in uh, Philippians 4, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed or, or revived your concern for me. When we look at the word renew or revive, he's likened this visit to a spring flower that kind of blooms, right? It's, it's, it's that everything is bleak and then suddenly everything is just beautiful. Have you ever thought of a friend like that, right? Guys, have you thought of a friend like that? Man, I just want to say you're like a spring flower. You just bloom, right? Yeah, there's another bop that we get, right? Um, but you've got to understand, Paul is this guy who's literally just going through the works. He's, he's, he's being dealt this difficult hand. And, and he just sees Epaphroditus come through the cells, and he's just overjoyed because of the news that he's being told, because of what he's providing. And, and he actually goes on in his letter, he says, Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Interesting that he says that you would share in my troubles. You have to understand that although the Philippian church uh, were not in the prison cells with Paul, he still saw this expression of care and concern for the people uh, who partnered in his difficulty by their sympathy, by their acts of service and financial support, and, and, and all the help that they gave. And in the, in the end, the result was joy. 
Paul had this joy because of this partnership. Paul was full of joy because the church was still thriving in the midst of persecution. And the church was full of joy because they saw their friend still strong in the faith while in prison. And you know, if you really think about it, it's amazing. It's, and it's surprising how much less you worry about your own needs when you are intentionally worrying about the concerns and the needs of others. And we see this with Paul and the church. We, we see this concern for one another. Both had their issues, but both were concerned more so of the well-being of the other. In the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of all the concern, the result of a committed relationship was joy. Who would have thought? That commitment would lead to so much joy, and it was joy because they knew they were not alone. It was joy because they knew that they had each other's backs. It was joy because they were committed to each other. That's impressive. You know, I was, uh, the other day I was actually looking uh, at some uh, stats on uh, Stats Canada. And one of the things that they said was that 30% of Canadians are, con- are in a constant state of loneliness. 30% of Canadians are in a constant state of loneliness. So not just a, a moment of loneliness, but every day struggling with this feeling. And if you think about it, we've got 30, 36-ish plus million people. So that's millions of people in Canada daily struggling with loneliness. And it's not one specific group. It's all over the map. That's a problem. And, And it's resulting in severe depression and even health concerns, which goes to show that committed relationships are actually good for the soul. You know, um, you ever been away from home for a long time and, and then, you know, you get there and there's just that meal that's made for you and it's just so good, right? You know, maybe you go back to your parents' house and it's like, yeah, mom, can you make this, right? And it's just so good, right? Honey, can you make this, right? And it's just so good for the soul. That's what a committed relationship is like. Everyone should have this type of support in their life because what does it do? It fosters joy. It will foster joy in your life. Joy is sustained by a committed relationship, not being siloed away from people. So here's some easy solutions. We've got growth groups in our church that meet on a regular weekly basis. Get involved in a growth group. Get involved in serving Uh, in one of our teams. Get connected with people. Get get connected not only just in in our growth group or in, in serving. Get involved in your community. Be intentional with people. Joy is sustained by committed relationships. It's actually also sustained by a transformed mindset. Joy is is, is uh, sustained by a transformed mindset. Paul says this in Philippians 4. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content 
weather or whatever the circumstance. I know that it is uh, what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every such, uh, situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Why don't you go ahead, if you've got a pen or marker or highlighter on your your phone, underline, highlight the word, all this. Because this is one of the things that we misinterpret all the time. You know, we, we read and it says, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. But often we interpret it that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the truth is, there are a lot of things that we can't do. It's just part of life. It's, it's one of those rude awakenings that you eventually experience. When I was, uh, when I was a teenager, I played uh, uh, competitive football. And I wanted to be in the NFL. But here's the problem. I'm not 6'5", 250 pounds of pure muscle and intimidation. In fact, I'm 175 pounds of receding hairline and kindness. Right? So it just doesn't work in football, right? And that's okay. It's good. I found a, 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 a calling and a career that I love I don't know if you're laughing at my hairline or if you're laughing at what I said. I'm going to assume it's what I said. But uh, some of you balding in the room, you're like, come on, man, right? Don't worry, I'm joining you soon, so it's all good. But the truth is, is you may have dreams and aspirations, too, that you have held or you hold against God or your faith because you think the Bible says that you can do anything you want, but sometimes you can't. Sometimes life throws curveballs like it did for Paul. He's in prison right now, like it did for the church in Philippi. They're going through poverty. They're going through struggles of their own. But that being said, what you can do, and Paul alludes to this, is that you can be content. You can be full of joy in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Paul could handle persecution. Paul could handle prison because Christ gave him strength to do so. And it's the same for whatever circumstance you find yourself into today, whether it's in a great season or a struggling season, is that you can handle what comes your way because it's Christ who gives you strength. So what we see is that joy is a result Uh, or sorry, joy isn't a result of circumstance. It's a product of a proper mindset. A mindset that is focused on Jesus rather than our circumstances. It's a mindset that Paul says does not conform to the patterns of this world. And in Romans 12 too, for those of you taking notes, it does not conform to the pattern of this world, but this mindset is transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, it's not motivated by power, by influence, by fame, by money. It's a mindset that's been transformed through a relationship with Jesus. 
It's, it's allowed Jesus to change your character, to change your appearance, to change your form, to change the way, uh, what you value most, what you think is most important. And we see the difference of this conformed mind and, and transformed mind when it comes to the story of the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. If you look at the, the scripture verses, they're right beside each other. And there's this one story of about a, a rich young ruler. He, he was a, a, a man that obeyed the law. He, he was a, a religious person who was a churchgoer. He was constantly doing good deeds. And he went to Jesus and he said, he said, good teacher, what do I need to do to be even better? What do I need more? I want more. I want something more. And Jesus looks at him and he says, yes, you've done all these things, but there's still one more thing you can do. And he says to the man, he says, give all that you have to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible says in Luke 18, 23, he says that when he heard this, he became very sad because he was wealthy. Money and status were more important to him than a close, close relationship to God. So he walked away brokenhearted. He had a conformed mind. Then you have the story of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. This was someone who would have been Jewish, but would have betrayed the Jewish people and started taking money from them and giving, them to, giving the money to Rome and even taking money for himself. And, and he's, he would be clearly a, a sinner. He wouldn't be a guy that would be allowed going to the synagogue. He wouldn't be allowed, you know, doing the things that a lot of Jewish people did. And yet Jesus sees him one day and he, Jesus actually invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And in the midst of this party, Zacchaeus invites, invites all his tax collector friends and, and there's all these people around and, and just the presence of Jesus, there was something different going on in Zacchaeus' heart and mind. And in ver, or chapter 19, verse 8, this is what Zacchaeus did. The Bible says he stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay four times the amount. Zacchaeus had a transformed mind, a transformed life, and it enabled him to live different. Rather than being possessed to get, he was inclined to give. Because he experienced joy that came from giving of his extra, and being around Jesus. And that's where joy is found. Catch this. That is where joy is found. Joy is found not in our possessions, but rather it rests on the awareness of God's presence. Right? Joy is not found in our possessions. My possessions give me happiness, but it doesn't give me joy, right? Joy is the one thing. Joy is found in Christ. It rests in the, in the awareness of God's presence. Zacchaeus saw and felt God's presence and as a result experienced because of a transformed mind something new he had never felt before. 
joy. And that joy changed everything. And you know what? Sadly, joy regularly escapes us in the pursuit of more. Because more is never satisfied. Whereas joy never escapes us in the pursuit, in our, in our pursuit of Jesus, in our walk with God, because Jesus is the joy giver. He's the one that supplies joy in your life. He's all you need. And so as a result, looking back at the previous verse, I can do all this, whatever season I find myself in, because it's him who gives me joy. Because it's him who gives me strength. It's him who gives me grace, comfort, peace. And it's him who gives me a new perspective on life, on what's most important. Joy is is sustained by a transformed mind. There were two men that were um, marooned on an island. And one man paced back and forth. Uh, frantically because he was thinking to himself, we're going to die. We're going to die. No one's going to find us. And the other man is just sitting in the sand, making sandcastles, enjoying his time. And the one man frantically is looking at him going, what are you doing? And the man looks at him. He's like, it's all good. It's all good. We'll be rescued. And the one man's, no, we're going to die on this island. We are not going to make it. Why aren't you afraid? He says to the other man. And the man said, no, no, it's okay. I just committed to making a $10,000 commitment to our church building fund. The pastor will find me, right? But let me just say this. If you want to give to the church fund, absolutely. No, I'm just. Um, let me say this: is that joy isn't sustained by one generous moment. Joy is sustained by a generous lifestyle. A generous lifestyle. A lifestyle that even the church of Philippi was living as they, that they, uh, that they were living as they gave, even in the midst of persecution and poverty. They continued to be generous to Paul wherever he traveled. It actually reminds me of a story, and if the band can come forward, it reminds me of this incredible story of uh, 10 days after the Japanese had attacked Pearl Harbor in, in World War II, residents of North Platte, Nebraska, heard a rumor that soldiers from their town, part of the Nebraskan National Guard Company D, would be coming through on a troop train on their way to the West Coast. About 500 people showed up at the train depot with food, gifts, letters, and love to give to the boys. When the train showed up, it was not the Nebraska National Guard Company D that was on board. It was the soldiers from the Kansas National Guard Company D. The North Platte residents decided to give of their gifts to these soldiers they did not know. It was a spontaneous act of genuine devotion and generosity that touched both the soldiers and the people who came to the depot that day. 
A few days later, a 26-year-old by the name of Ray Wilson wrote a letter to the editor of the local paper, in it recounting the fond memories and experiences they had of sharing that night. So she suggested that the town organize a canteen so they could constantly do this for every troop train that comes through. She offered to actually lead out the effort as well, gaining and bringing in volunteers. So for the next four and a half years, the people of North Platte and the surrounding communities met every troop train that came through their town. Every day, they prepared sandwiches, cookies, cold drinks, and hot coffee. They had made baskets with magazines and books to give to the soldiers and snacks for while on the train. They were even birthday cakes for anyone who had a birthday that day. And they did this some days for as many as 8,000 troops. And the statistics are staggering. And this is a true story. By the time the last train arrived on April 1st, 1946, 6 million soldiers had been blessed by the North Platte Canteen. 45,000 volunteers had served faithfully until the war was over and most of the troops had gone home. Talk about a generous lifestyle. A generous lifestyle. Talk about the joy they experienced out of their generosity, as a result of their generosity. And Paul says to the church in Philippi, what I bet the soldiers felt about this small town. He says in Philippians 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I always pray with joy because of your partnership. Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we do with our resources simply reflects what's going on in our soul. Right? What, what you do with your resources shows people what's going on in here. And I think this town would have, would have experienced immense joy. Immense joy, even in the midst of loss, even in the midst of hardship, because they saw what this generous lifestyle brought about. And you know what? That is living. That is living. That's the legacy we are to live and leave behind to the next generation and the generation behind that. To be a people who choose joy in life's everyday moments and sustain it by committed relationships, by transformed mind, by a generous lifestyle to constantly focus on Christ, not on our circumstance. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, Father, I thank you 
Lord, in all seasons of life, if there is one thing that is constant, if there's one thing that is true, is that you are there and we can look to you. So we do not get discouraged by our circumstances, whether we're in a terrible season or whether we're in an amazing season. Lord, we are not filled with worry. We're not full of, of doubt, but we keep our eyes focused on you because we know that you God are our peace, that you, God, are our joy. And so every day, starting today, we choose joy. We choose joy. We choose to search you out and find where your presence is, that we would be filled with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.